0: Welcome to the East Main Media podcast, a series of conversations featuring leaders in a variety of subjects, including business, politics, media, and the arts. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com forward slash podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory visit jlc-accounting.com and by tap into tv original video programming covering topics of interest in new jersey new york and beyond visit tapintotv.net now here's your host brian Brodor.
1: i'm joined today by tommy hilkin of tommy hilkin productions i'm thrilled that you uh, agreed to come in and talk to me welcome to east Main podcast i love it thanks for having me brian We have a lot of things to cover. I want to start with the easy stuff. Would you tell me about a little bit of your background and how you came to establish Tommy Hilkin Productions?
2: Well, I grew up in Hudson County, you know, and it was a big community. And when I look back on it, how I became Tommy Hilkin, I've been Tommy Hilkin my whole life. The brand, which is kind of fascinating. Not a lot of people get that. My name is Tommy Hilkin, but there's a brand behind Tommy Hilkin. Dig into that. I want to know about that. Thanks. I think even like at five years old, you know, I knew that there was something to being Tommy Hilkin. No matter where it was, I've always had like two names that were actually one name. Everybody always says, Here's Tommy Hilkin, hey Tommy Hilkin, hey, never Tommy, never Hilkin, always Tommy Hilkin. So <laughs> it was kind of like I guess growing up, you know, in Hudson County, you know, everybody had their role to play when we grew up as kids, you know, and some people stood out, some people were athletic, some people talked but i can remember just being at the schoolyard and everybody having their opportunity to speak and talk and be themselves and you know what a great place to grow up what a great community so much different than you'll see today growing up you know i still have friends that now i still get together 55 years later wow. you know we still hang out we still see each other and i'm talking sometimes 30 of us getting together so you know establishing myself as tommy Hilkin, grew up blue collar family You know, dad would have rather seen me work a job because that's what he was used to and be comfortable with so I used to always joke and I'd say what did I parachute into this family you know uh we could even discuss where it came about we grew you know the story of two cops and a clown tell me about that I was going to ask you about that. (laughs) everybody loves to hear that it's it's a great story it's I'll tell you a real quick story how I tell everybody about it is you know growing up my dad was you know he went to work and he worked hard you know I'm one of six kids so I get the whole concept he's a blue collar guy you know you you go to work you get your paycheck you come home you take care of your family great way to look at it great way to do it so my brothers you know grew up the same way and they decided that they'd be cops and I'm the middle of the two. I have an older brother, younger brother, both cops. So throughout my life, you know, I never realized where I fit in. And the conflict always was I had a completely different personality than anybody in my family. Mm. So confusing as a kid, like, what's wrong? You know, what, did I just parachute into this family? How did I get here? You know, yeah. so my dad used to always tell everybody through the years, these are my boys, two cops and a clown. Right. And at first it would hurt and it would bother me, you know, and, you know, people like, oh, that's hysterical. That's funny. I go. Yeah, but it took me a little time to adjust to it, thinking that he was really busting my chops. But then I realized he really enjoyed it, you know. So I always finish it like this. Here, here's my boys, two cops and a clown. So when my dad passed, who did they have due to eulogy? You know, naturally, they asked the clown. And when I got up there to talk, I said, you know, the reason I'm up here and not my brothers is the only words my brothers know are license and registration. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. So that's
1: how that went. That's amazing. Of course, rewinding the tape a little bit, you know, we met at an event that you spoke at. And uh, I really connected with what you had to say to the group and immediately identified that you had a lot of wisdom and knowledge to share. So that's the backstory of why I wanted you to come in here. Of course, the Two Cops and a Clown story was, uh, uh, was part of that presentation, which was great.
2: I love it. I, want I, to, I even tell people, you know, thinking about it, you know, I, I talk to young professionals now, and I say, you know, I'm a man full of wisdom now, and I can share my wisdom. And I said, I'd like to think of myself as a wise guy, but in New Jersey, you just don't want to go around telling everybody you're a wise guy.
1: That's true. It, it has a, an extra connotation.
2: <laughs> yes. (laughs) I want to connect
1: that story. And of course, look, you have a very genuine and robust sense of humor, right? That's part of your brand, Mm -hmm. your persona, who you are. And and of course, what you do as a a speaker and a coach. I want to connect that story, though, the two cops and a clown and how you've connected that to your, as you said, 30 years of being Mm self-employed. How do you see that connected to that path?
2: Well, the interesting part about the question is, where did I fit in? How was I going to fit in? And the odd part about it was I accepted somewhere along the way that just maybe I wasn't going to fit in. Right. Now, even if I went and I worked a job, I was always a good guy. I was always well-liked, but I just didn't like being a worker. And I really, the biggest, toughest thing for me is, and I can say it now, I don't like taking orders and I mean it deep down in me, it's not something I created. I mean, it's deep down in my soul. I don't like taking orders. You know, you'll have to be a very special person in my life for me to actually listen to and accept. You better have done something that I'm interested in, or I just won't take any orders. I don't take advice if it's unsolicited. I've always had that wall up. And I, here's the story the greatest thing for me, I, you know, I'm 59 years old now, and I have a full understanding of not really worrying about it anymore and questioning why. And I just honor it as it just is. Yeah, yeah. So I no longer have that burden on of like, how come and why should I change it? You know, I've really, really became me. That person who I always wanted to be, I became me to the point of, this is who I am. I might be annoying to some, but overall, I know I do good. So what I did was I realized that I was different, but I had to find a platform for it. Hmm. And I truly lucked out. Yeah, 29 years old, my friend showed me a magic trick. So here I was. I had three kids already, a family. My friend shows me a magic trick. And I I was delighted. I went and started showing everybody and everybody. I was making a little red handkerchief appear and disappear. Like
1: a sleight of hand. Sleight of hand.
2: Got it. But you're just literally going everywhere I went, showing people this. And all of a sudden, I realized that, wow, this was fun. I was interacting with people. And you know, you have met me and we've discussed this. I'm such a people person. I love people. So the more I can interact with people and laugh and enjoy, two words I use now that are only in my life. I have to enjoy it. I want you to enjoy it. And I hope it brings you joy. I really only want to do things I enjoy now. But let me take it back to... You know, going back on why I did this. So I started doing the magic trick, started interacting with more and more people, getting people to smile, laugh, enjoy. And then it started to grow. I I got so much from it. And I will say this. These 10 years that followed that little magic trick were the best 10 years of my life overall as far as being fulfilling Hmm. and enjoying because I learned to be the most creative person you could ever be and I create live. It's another thing I learned about myself. When I'm on stage, it's never about a planned performance. I'm a creative, I create on stage. Whatever's happened around me is the funniest stuff ever. And that's how I built my career. Wow. But I realized I could interact with people and I love people, so the magic started to do that. Then I started to purchase more and more magic. Six months later, I remember exactly where it was someone asked me to do a birthday party and they were gonna pay me $95 and that was back in 1989 $95 it was the Burger King on Burger Line Avenue in Union City second floor Wow. and that was it so then I was in front of an audience yeah an actual sitting-down audience and never looked back
1: so okay there's a lot to unpack there I want to sort of bring listeners up to date because there's you Right. But you also have you know, your platform, your company, you know, Tommy Hilkin Productions. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a scope of all the different things you do in the world professionally now?
2: Well, for myself and people I deal with, I didn't want to build a bureau or an agency. I would rather refer people. I've always made money by referring people and ref- people referring back that it just continually moves. But now in my business, what I grew into was I realized that as an entertainer, I was on stage and I was very comfortable on stage. And then I started to meet a lot of people who weren't. And to me, it was surprising. You know, most people you meet don't like it. They're afraid. They're scared. And I said to myself, well, maybe I can piece something together that I could just share what I do and how I do it. Maybe somebody else. Because I realize in business, so much opportunity is lost. Because people don't want to present themselves or their product. Right. Maybe good for you because they'll do a video, right? Sometimes (laughs) they need our help. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of ways to to do that. To get your message out, right? Because it's either the message or the messenger. I work with both. Mm -hmm. But speakers, trainers, entertainers. The reason I built my company and the platform I did is, you know, sometimes it's kind of exhausting being self employed. You know, so I need people to work with, to help me to go out with. So through the years, 30 years in the business, I've met some of the best speakers on the planet. Mm. I've had lunch with some of the, I've picked the brains of some of the best speakers on the planet so I could connect people with some of the best people on the planet. So that was my platform that I started to do. That was not always about me, maybe you need somebody on negotiation. I have a friend who does great work on negotiation. Wow, yeah. So. I don't know anything about negotiations. I'm a talker. I don't negotiate much. So if they needed something like that, I have a great contact for you. And what I've developed is a trust where, Tommy, if you can't make it, who would you refer? Oh, sure. Right? Which is a nice way to go. And that started with my entertainment. I have great, great friends in the entertainment world who literally, you know, have made lots and lots of money just by knowing me because if I'm not available and I know, like, and trust you, I'll recommend you my recommendation became gold to most people. Tommy, if you like him and you trust him, I'll be glad to go with him. So it's been great to be with people like that. So my company developed into knowing the speakers, the trainers, and the entertainers, right? You surround yourself with good people, that people you can send out, people you like. And that's what I've always done. It's
1: interesting. There's been a theme here at our studio, doing business with good people and how much that matters. I mean, obviously my team here, they're great. But also the people around you, like vendors who help you and colleagues, and, and then you can trust them and you know it's gold. Yeah. I want to connect here this idea from that light bulb of entertaining, right? Mm-hmm. Now, clearly, you had that in you, and it sparked it ignited from that magic. Can you connect that for me to the world of you up in front of a bunch of business professionals? Because mm-hmm. I witnessed it, mm-hmm. you know, and... You were delivering lots of great sales advice presentation advice speaking advice can you connect those two worlds
2: very interesting long long battle to connect those two worlds battle battle you you
1: just use that that's interesting okay yeah okay
2: and and i'm glad you're bringing this up because discovering who you are and where you fit into the world Mm. and this is why i'd love to do this talk as much as possible to young professionals The other day I just did a talk called Brand You. Mm -hmm. You being the brand. No matter if you're going to work for someone, you're bringing in you, you're selling you. You are the brand. Here's what I do, here's my product, here's what I can do for you. So for me, very, very interesting battle. I was an entertainer, thoroughly loved everything about being an entertainer. 1996, I'm listening in a thing called Success 96. And I heard the voice of Zig Ziglar blew me away I mean I'm hearing this guy saying you can be do and have all that life has to offer and I'm looking 10,000 people and he's talking to me yeah so a new spark came into my life I was like that was amazing that was incredible here's the guy owning this room 10,000 people right so the entertainer starts to say ha ha Maybe there's something else that now you can bring into the world that you're not. Maybe you'll become a presenter. You'll become a motivational speaker, right? You're already talking to groups. So my challenge came in and the best way to explain it is my performing name my whole life was Tommy Knucklehead. <laughs> Thanks. That's what I needed.
1: Right? Not everyone appreciates sort of the phrase of knucklehead. knucklehead. That's not in everybody's not vocabulary. Every, right. We use it here all the time.
2: But if we're talking about branding, you know, it was between growing up with the Three Stooges and Red Skelton. Nobody was afraid of being or calling someone a knucklehead. Exactly. But people on the phone booking me, they don't want to say knucklehead, right? They oh, like. Man. But it's so funny because now I can play off it. So the brand, I was doing really good business without knowing I was doing really good business. Fascinating, wow, okay. But I branded myself Tommy Knucklehead. Instinctively. Just, it was huge. I knew that it would work. I knew that it would connect. I knew I'd get a laugh, right? And instead of going in and being Tommy the Magnificent or Tommy the Great, the magician, I always felt that my strength wasn't the magic, it was the interaction and the comedy. So I'd like to think of myself as a kid's comedian more than a kid's magician, which is something that no one else was selling. They were selling comedy and magic. Me, there's comedy and maybe you'll get 10% magic. So I was Tommy Knucklehead and then I saw this great motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar. So now if I look, this silly guy over here and, and this brilliant orator. So now I look and there's this big gap
1: You felt a disconnect there.
2: Oh, disconnect. How do I become that? Mm. How do we get this Tommy Knucklehead guy to become this? And this took a long, long time. So what happened is to show you how I closed the gap. Took me a while. People were telling me you couldn't be Tommy Knucklehead as a speaker. Chances are if I went out into the corporate world as Tommy Knucklehead, I would have been better off. Hmm. And delivering my message as, hey, we gotta, you got to get this guy. His name's Tommy Knucklehead. He's motivational. He's inspirational. He's funny. He's hysterical. Instead of the battle of trying to find out, how do I combine the two? So really what I did was, and I think you'll appreciate this, Tommy Knucklehead was my character name. So I realized that Tommy Hilkin was a big part of that Tommy Knucklehead. Sure. So I had to create the Tommy Hilkin character if you will that included tommy knucklehead so as you you know when i speak there's humor there's fun i'm talking i'm busting chops with the audience because that's me that's right that's authentic it's authentic it's authentic so what happened was what i thought was that tommy knucklehead thing was really tommy hilkin it's his way of teasing having fun making you smile love It's my way of love. That's right. You know, my my sister used to always say this, and you'll love this. She'd have people over I never met before, and she would always say, listen, if Tommy's not busting your chops... Chances are he doesn't like you. So if he's busting your chops, it's a good thing. So my sister used to always have to put a disclaimer on me when we had family events, which was great. Yeah, don't don't worry. That's okay. Tommy likes you. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Just pet him. He'll go away. (laughs) That's right. Don't (laughs) worry. Yeah, yeah, I was like that nasty dog. Just pet him. He'll go away. So putting it together was I realized that I will go through the rest of my life honoring loving and caring about i notice is nutty people are saying i'm talking to myself in a third person but i'm the brand tommy hilkin sure a powerful force i recognize that that you know people enjoy being with me that's a good thing people enjoy listening to me speak that's a good thing i used to get so confused about it now i just go out as tommy hilkin
1: we'll be right back to the conversation after this brief message from our sponsor
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting. Bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. Visit jlc-accounting.com. And by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net.
1: Well, what occurred to me in that explanation, in that story, thank you, was by definition, Tommy Knucklehead is unpretentious, you know? So you were grabbing hold of that and mm. and walking in with that, that, yeah, there's the comedy part of it, but also it's, let's bridge it to the world of business. You look at a guy like Zig, right. you know, a legend. Right. Um, but, you know, he's in front of these rooms full of people and, and certainly serving you know, C-level executives and, and high-powered people. So approaching that market or approaching those people without a chip on your shoulder, right? right, in an unpretentious way or authentic way, you know, in your case, authentic, this is who I am, that's disarming and useful,
2: it seems. That seems like a big tool that you had, you know, in your efforts. It's funny you say disarming, and that's maybe where it all came from when I didn't fit in. Maybe a joke, a smile is my way of connecting with people. And and like I said, now I just honor it because I got a testimonial from someone once that was maybe the nicest testimonial I ever got. And I remember what it said. It said, you must meet Tommy Hilkin. He's quite the character. Right? And and I mean that. So when I saw that and I said, okay, if she's sending me that and she cares enough to send me that and put it out on social media or whatever it was, so you know what? I am quite the character. (laughs) You know, and and I and I enjoy it. You know, you you hear so many people who are not comfortable in their own skin and that's no way to go through life. I refuse. You know, I've had my challenges. Like I said, I tried to squash this guy early on in my life. Now, I don't know if we want to go there, but I'll tell you, I, I have 32 years in recovery. Mm-hmm. Didn't know who I was, didn't know where I fit, was uncomfortable being in high school, and wow, you know, I was different, You know, I was funny. I still look at this, I have a resentment towards the high school because I wasn't one of the popular kids, but I know I was the funniest kid in that high school, and I didn't win class clown. So it was rigged, it was fixed, and I'm here to say it now. There you go. It's on the record. It's on the record. 1977, I was robbed. (laughs) We're going to
1: look into that.
2: Yes, thank you. you. Send a crew out. Yes, please do. I want information (laughs) on it. But, you know, I I tried to, because I didn't fit, what was I going to do? So, you know, uh, at 16, I, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol became a big part of my life. And uh, I would never, ever share my experience of drugs and alcohol with people before. But my friend asked me this great question and I love her for it. She said to me, are you more ashamed of who you were or proud of who you become? And when I really peeled it back and I looked and I I was living more in the shame of who I was than the proud of who I had become. And once that question was answered, I said, okay, now it's time to flip the switch. And I started to live my life proud of who I become. Yeah, went down some wrong roads, took some wrong paths, but I fixed it. I found out what it was and got comfortable being me through different steps and different programs that I'm involved in, still in, still helping people today. You know, I still take care of many, many people who are still sick and suffering. It's my message. So... I've seen it, where do you fit in? If you don't feel you're gonna fit in, what are you gonna do? You're gonna try and squash it, you're gonna try and push it down, Mm -hmm. and drugs and alcohol did that for me. So, instead of being Tommy Hilkin, now I became the town drunk. Now I became a drug addict, so I had a label. I still had a brand, think about it, right? As human beings, we brand ourselves one way or the other. You know, you're a jerk, you're stupid, whatever. What we believe we become You know? so In our own heads. In our own heads. You know, I I tell everybody all the time, what we believe we become, because we start to do the behavior, and the behavior drives who we become. So my behavior was, I started to believe that I was a drunk. So what does a drunk do? You behave like a drunk. That's right. So I became a drunk. Yep, self-fulfilling
1: prophecy. Yeah, yeah,
2: so my label then, that I lived through that, and that was the pain of it all, trying to figure out who it was. And to share this with you, I got clean and sober in 1987. My life changed. That magic trick was showed to me in 1989. Right. So I was two years clean and sober. Yeah. So it was like these new doors opened up for me, like, hey, here's something that's going to take you a long way. You know, I'm a big God person. I don't line up God with any religion, but I'm a God person.
1: A higher power. higher
2: power, you know, uh, power greater than myself. Mm. You know, I had a friend of mine one time, and it's not about religion or anything, but I just shared it. When, when I was getting sober, I had a mentor. They called him a sponsor. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he said to me, just remember this. If you want it to be easy, these are Hudson County guys getting sober, it's great. He goes, just remember this. There is a God and you are not him. <laughs> yeah, get some perspective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just You you really want to just make it easy on yourself. There is a God. You're not him. So, you know, and I, I look at it as the spirit. You know, I was inspired to do something else. Where it came from, where everybody wants to take it, anybody wants to think about where it came. I was inspired to be someone else, to do something else. You know, as Zig used to always say, and now I heard it after, you know, you have to be before you can do. You have to do before you can have So I I always tell people, young professionals, focus on the being. The being drives the doing. So when I became an altogether new being, I started to drive an altogether new doing, which led to me being here, sitting here with you today. Wow. Okay.
1: There's a lot to unpack here. (laughs) When you were talking about the two cops and a clown, Mm -hmm. I was waiting on a question, which was about Mm self-esteem. And man, you've got your arms wrapped around this. Your message, you have so many messages that are optimistic and empowering and motivating, right? But a lot of people will struggle embracing that stuff if they don't have self-esteem, right? Mm -hmm. If they don't have that belief in being. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from for you being two cops and a clown? Right. You know, because some people might say that that was difficult.
2: At that time, very difficult. Where did I fit in? How come I was different? Right. Nobody was giving me those answers. Right. Yeah, you know, My parents couldn't tell me why I was different. As a matter of fact, they would prefer that I wasn't. Life would be easier if I wasn't. If I fit into the mold, life is easier. Here's my three cops. Right. Right. Here's what they do. I know what they do. I didn't fit into the mold. So more confusing to me, which led to anxiety in the house because yeah. I was confused. All these questions in my head, I'm a creative, and all you creatives out there know what I'm going to say. There's a lot of stuff going on in my head that I can't explain. Sure. That's the creative process. So more about back in the day, they used to call it, Self-esteem. Right, right. But what I like to look at and what I talk to people about is more about the self-image. No one will ever outperform the image that they hold of themselves. Right.
1: That's the bar that people have.
2: That's your bar. Yeah. And until you change the image, the picture in your mind, nothing will ever change. You'll stay at the image you hold of yourself. Now, the image I held of myself as, you know, scared and afraid and turning to drugs and being a drug addict, that image, right, to change it, I had to have a new level of awareness. So I had to be understand that there was a different route, a different way to go, but I had to create a new image of myself being clean, sober, sure. confident, having courage. all Look, these Those
1: th- don't automatically go together.
2: They don't automatically go together. It was a process. Yeah, yeah. Step- by step by step. Really what had to happen was I had to clean house yeah, And what I mean by that was, you know, to make room for the great, sometimes you got to give up the good. Wow. Just like your hard drive. Sometimes you got to remove stuff to put new stuff in. I, I think of human beings, the mind is like a hard drive. Sometimes you got to take stuff out and put new stuff in. Right. You know, people always say, how do you get rid of a habit? Well, you don't get rid of a habit. You got to remove a habit. But the quickest thing you have to do fast is replace it with a new, better habit. Wow. The mind... And the universe doesn't like having a vacuum. So if there's an empty space, it's gonna fill it. Yeah. So be careful what it's getting filled with. If it's not being filled by you, it's gonna be filled by something. So literally, what happened was I, uh, I'm gonna say me, but I think it was a little beyond me that the image started to change of me or who I was. And because for the longest time, man, that was great. Man, that was great. You were great. Man, you're so funny. That's fantastic, right? And if you're not absorbing that and taking that in, it just becomes absolutely mumble, like Charlie Brown. You remember, it no longer resonates. It's just something I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting any joy from it. So changing the image of myself, and I've had to change my image of myself in my mind many times over. You know, who am I, what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm husband, brother, father, grandfather. You know, these are the roles I play in life they're not necessarily my identity i might be funny and i might be great around my grandkids but i'm not always tommy knucklehead sometimes i have to be grandpa sure you know so i get it i'm not always going through in life being tommy knucklehead so the identity and the role thing really came together for me but i created this new image that really really carried me but i want to share this with you i got in a little bit of a slump Doing a lot of performing. There was a time I was doing 300 gigs a year. Whoa. Yeah. In what geography? There was times I was flying to Japan and doing four shows a day And throughout New Jersey, there isn't a spot or a banquet hall I haven't performed in or a club I haven't performed in. So had show, will travel, that's the story of my life. It's in my trunk, right now in my car still. My show's in my trunk, my sound system's in my trunk. Somebody calls me now on the way home, I can stop in and do a show, right? So this is the way I make my money, you know, and and it's fun. But I'm always on the road, always going, so 300 shows. But I did so many that I became numb. And now it was just a process I was going through. And when that happens to you as an entertainer, if you're no longer getting anything. So the reason I brought this up was, I guess it's about four years ago now, I looked and I said, wow, this is what you chose. This is what you're doing. What's going on that you're not enjoying it? So I took a good look. And what I started to realize was, I was just giving, 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 giving. And forgot to receive. Wow. All output. All output. Yeah. So getting back in your car, exhausted, running to the next gig, by the end, all output. Right? But what was the difference was when I first started doing this, I got so much joy out of it that it was my recharge. Sure. Everybody had a great time. Tommy, you were fantastic. And I needed that in the beginning a lot more than I do now. Yeah. I enjoy it. I appreciate it, I honor it, but I don't need it like I used to when my image was different. Early on in performing, I needed to hear you were great to build my self-image from the outside in until I learned from Zig hmm. that the image gets built from the inside out. Wow.
1: Did you feel you had something to prove
2: in the early days? I think everybody does. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody does. And it doesn't matter who it's to prove it to. Right. Well, it's yourself,
1: right? right? It's internal. Right. Then it flipped. You realized mm-hmm. that it's all output. What happened?
2: Well, that's interesting. I recognized it and I said, wow, there's people smiling, laughing, clapping, right? Honoring my entertainment And I use the word honor a lot Mm. And I always will Because when we honor things When we really embrace them And make them part of us Mm. It changes your world Hey, that person really likes you Honor that I mean really honor the fact That someone likes you That's where the joy comes from Where you know that Hey, I'm a good guy That's when I I say I honor myself now I, I know I do a good job As a human being I know that And it makes me happy to know that. You know, we're here to serve. It's not about, oh my goodness, look at me, the entertainer, like it used to be. Now I serve. So what happened, the switch came on when I started to absorb the smiles, the applause, the thank yous, the gratitude that I had for the people in front of me. Now, instead of it being about me, it was about my audience. So whenever I get stuck and I'm struggling, it's usually because everything is self-centered, I'm a very self-centered person if I don't watch. A man met me years ago and I was on a recovery retreat and a guy met me at the door and he said, I know who you are, you're the great I am. And my first response was, I wanna punch you right in the face. (laughs) 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 Who are you to tell me that, right. right? So I spent the weekend there discovering what he meant was the great I am. The world evolves around me. And I remember his name was Rusty. At first, the first day, he's right in my face, you're the great I am. Why did he say that? How come this came into my life? And by the end, I'm a completely different guy by Sunday afternoon than I was Friday night. Mm -hmm. And I seek out Rusty. And I say, I want to thank you, man. This was so good this weekend. What you said to me was amazing. And I said, man, I wish I could stay here. And he looks at me and goes, you can stay here. You just got to become a monk. <laughs> yeah, that's the price. It was a retreat house. So yeah. it was like, you know, we were surrounded by monks. That was the price. I was, right. And well, so I wasn't shave willing. Shave your head. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't about to become a monk. But I understood what he meant, you yeah. know, the self-centeredness. Yeah. So when I make it about my audience, it's a much better presentation.
0: Thanks for listening. Join us next week for part two of the conversation. This has been a production of East Main Media, hosted by Brian Brodeur. Special thanks to audio engineer J.P. Kong and senior producer Kayla Galka. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a good rating. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com. And thanks for listening.